right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of The Less Stressed Life, where we teach exhausted and burnt out adults the truth about adrenal fatigue so that they can get their health back very quickly. And I'm really excited to be joined by Don Moxley. He's the Director of Applied Science and Brand Division at Longevity Labs, Inc., in May 2020, he began working with Longevity Labs as a nutritional supplement company founded in Austria. Uh, main, his role is the Director of Applied Science and Brand Development, their flagship product, which we'll be talking about not just in terms of what it is, Spermidine Life, um, how it is used in terms of balancing growth and building with recycling and clearing out or mTOR and autophagy. And that's going to be our main topic. Um, but ultimately, Spermidine Life, a daily nutritional supplement that has been shown to trigger a key element in longevity, which is called autophagy. Hey, Don, thank you so much for being here today. It's my pleasure. I'm really excited to be on your podcast and talk to your listeners. Yeah, we were just geeking out a little bit before we got started here. And you were telling me about your background and how you were in exercise science. So why don't you tell our listeners who are exhausted and burnt out a little <laughs> bit of your own story? So my background, I, I'm, I, I'm trained as an exercise physiologist, and I've spent uh, 25 of the last 35 years uh, is either an adjunct or an assistant professor teaching the exercise sciences uh, in, a, in a couple different institutions. But while I've been teaching, I've also kept a foot in industry, uh, particularly in the wearable industry. And I've also spent a lot of time working with high-performance athletics. Back, uh, back early on, I worked with the Chicago Bulls, uh, and this was back with the Jordan Bulls. And I had two players on that team that were I'm – an, I'm an Ohio State guy. I graduated from Ohio State. I wrestled at Ohio State, and that's where I, where I did most of my work. So you've got, you know, that provides connections. So I had two players on that team um, that we worked with all the way up to where in my last direct uh, work, I was a sports scientist with the Ohio State University athletic program with their wrestling program from 15 through 18. In uh, 2000, in the 2017-18 season, we measured three and a half million data points on a wrestling team. Um, and one of the big things that came out of it that really ties into our discussion today was understanding heart rate variability and heart rates variability's ability to diagnose problems with, with, with athletes that are underperforming. We could use it for exercise prescription, understanding when do we go to the whip? When do we turn things back? But we could also use it. You could also use it in selection. We learned things, uh, you know, we learned things that uh, you could actually use HRV for selection because if someone does not have the capability to recover during either the Big Ten or the national tournament and they can't make All-American, well, we, we, we now we, we figured out that you've got to have about 75 milliseconds of RMSSD in your HRV to make All-American. And if you don't have it, you won't make it. And um, we have we had a, we had several data points to suggest that. Um, so became kind of a nut in HRV and understanding recovery in my family. We've had issues in our family, uh, with post-traumatic stress and, you know, so whether you're working with an Olympian or working with someone who has severe post-traumatic stress, you're just on the other end of the same continuum. And the tools that we use with my Olympians are the, and my national champions are the same tools we use with, with those that are just struggling to, to get through the day and, 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 and deal with the burnout that so many people deal with. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, HRV has come a long way, I guess, in terms of the ivory towers now into the 30,000 view foot, not even weekend warrior, but the person who's exhausted and burnt out and, just isn't getting answers. And that's who I see, Don, in terms of they've been to 5, 10, 15 doctors, um, their blood tests are quote unquote normal, right. um, yet they feel like crap and they're looking for solutions. And all of them that I initially encounter with have a thousand and one different supplements in their pantry. And it's not for the lack of trying or desire to get better or willingness to try so many different things. It's just, they haven't cracked the code, if you will. And I think what you're, what we'll be talking about today and transitioning from what you just told me into now you have the, 
spermidine life and you have a product that really kicks into autophagy, why don't you kind of segue from our talk and segue from the, the shift that you made and, and how, it, how that got um, originated, what the genesis of that was. Well, what, what's interesting about it. So uh, again, we were talking beforehand, I left Ohio State in 2018, uh, frankly, because they, they weren't ready for the work that I was doing. Um, and, and that can be challenging, but it was a great experience. I had, I mean, I really enjoyed it. We learned a lot, but I actually moved down into your neighborhood. I was living down in North Palm Beach, working in the cannabis business. Um, because while I was doing the HRV work, um, I, you know, I had, I had, I had peers in the pros that were asking, Hey, are you looking at cannabis with your athletes? And my athletes were NCAA athletes. So cannabis was off the table. Um, but uh, through a connection of a connection, I was invited to come down into that business. And I, you know, I drove and in, dove into the deep end of the pot pool and, you know, when you start understanding HRV, you, you have to understand the endocannabinoid system. You have to understand these recovery tools. And it was, it was just a wonderful lesson. I mean, I, I listen, I don't, I don't know where you're at spiritually, but I, I, I have, I believe I have a lot of, uh, a, a lot of angels looking out for me and I try to keep my radar as open as possible and go where directed and uh, it was a great experience um, to really dig into that space. And while I was in that space, I met, uh, I get a call one day from a guy saying, hey, what are you doing? And, um, you know, I was building brand down there in Florida for one of the cannabis companies in the medical, in the medical space. Um, and he said, we've got this new molecule. And, um, and, and Dr. Rosen, I, I, I was, I was passively, um, recognized the term autophagy. I had never heard of the word spermidine. Um, and so, but I trusted this guy and I started to dig in and, and the awakening was really interesting. And, you know, I talk about the fact that I've taught, I've taught 20, you know, I've taught in the last 30 years, 35 years. And when you teach the exercise science, inevitably you wind up teaching a nutrition class. Um, and I've taught nutrition, I don't know, a dozen times. And typically when we teach nutrition, I call it Wardwell nutrition, because one of the leading textbooks in nutrition is by Wardwell. And it's the classic uh, macronutrients, micronutrients, how to read a food label, baloney. Um, well, you don't teach about baloney, but it's, it's, that was a, you know, it's, it's, it's a BS term. And, and while I was passive, while I passively recognized the term autophagy, you can't dig into spermidine and not have a deep understanding of autophagy. So that was, that was interesting. And I thought back, well, I've been teaching nutrition for 30 years now. And typically in nutrition, you teach a nutrient and here's the effect of the nutrient proteins, fats, carbohydrates, vitamins, minerals, and water. Um, that that's, that's the typical course where, and, and listen, we teach about vitamin C because in the 14 to 1600s, we're packing people onto boats. They were on the water for a long time. They developed a, a condition called scurvy. Uh, but we figured out if they took limes with them and lemons and citrus, it wasn't as bad. Well, that's where we discovered vitamin C. We learned about vitamin E with prisoners in, in Japan. We learned, so we learned about these micronutrients and, it, and their effect. Well, I, I believe, now listen, I, the research, typically it takes 15 to 17 years for research to make its way into what's called standard of care in medicine. Um, and the research that's going on today won't be part of standard of care in medicine for, for, for 15 years. Well, I, I'm looking forward to the first nutritional textbook that teaches about the condition of autophagy and the fact that you get autophagy, not through what you eat, but when what you don't eat and when you don't eat. I think that's a really important uh, part that's got to come along and we're early on. I, I don't expect to see this textbook for 10 years. Um, but I think it's an important part of, of progressive nutrition. Um, and then we start to look at, so we understand calorie restriction and its impact on autophagy. 
Now we can start to look at what's called calorie restriction memetics. What are, what are nutrients that we can take in that stimulate autophagy? And spermidine is one of those. Um, you know, spermidine is this molecule that's in every cell of your body, men, women, plants, and animals. Uh, it's, it's low at birth. It peaks about 30 and declines from there on out. But people who age well into their 90s and centurions uh, have high spermidine levels. Um, and we know that populations that consume high spermidine foods in their diets have higher spermidine levels. And oh, by the way, they live longer too. We see this in the blue zone work. So, um, so that's, you know, that's kind of how I go from, you know, doing HRV on a bunch of college wrestlers uh, through selling weed in South Florida into, into cannabis. You know, there's a, there's a connection there. Uh, and that's that connection about helping people live their best lives. And that's kind of how I operate. Yeah, no, that's an awesome story. There's a lot of lessons just in that itself. I mean, teaching something for 35 years and being humble enough to know that what you don't know is still something that you can learn, which a lot of people that are exhausted and burnt out label themselves as this, that, or the other, and they become labeled and they become crabs in the bucket and they don't want to let the other people get pulled out because they're identifying with that term. And I think that's similar to what you said. The other lesson was, listening to your little angels and knowing like if it doesn't if it doesn't pass the spidey senses and you're tingling then you know there's something inherent to listen to um, I'm just going to review a little bit for some of the listeners that may not know, and I've taught it before, but HRV, heart rate variability, you know, the, the 30 second commercial is it's the cadence or the beats between the beats. And if you're under sympathetic dominance, you're going to have a very low HRV because mm -hmm. it's boom, 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 very quick, even though it doesn't tell you your pulse rate, it just tells you what are the variants between the beats exactly. versus if you're very adaptable metaphorically as well as physiologically, and you can tap into parasympathetic activity, your variance between the beats will be higher. And that's going to be a better score and a better indication of recovery, um, a better indication of adaptability, and also not necessarily being under constant fight or flight hormones, which the people that we listen to are are continually uh, under uh, stress. So I just wanted to kind of clarify that for the listener. Um, now what I wanted to kind of get into was as far as what autophagy is, and then on the flip side, what mTOR is um, and growth factors. And, and I really like the idea of what you've said. It's not so much, and I agree with you, sacred cows of the macronutrients and the small meals more frequently to keep your sugar levels stable, although they're always high. And, you know, the food bullshit, excuse the language, pyramid and how, you know, ketchup is one of the, you know, the vegetables on the pyramid and the RDA. And it's just, these are sacred cows that need to topple by now already as far as things go. But as far as the question I'm going to get to is why, why is it so important as you're seeing in your research to be able to tap into autophagy and how you need to do that with um, with not putting your foot on the gas pedal and the brakes at the same time. Well, yeah. and it's important for the listener to recognize the fact that autophagy, when we start talking about autophagy, this is a relatively recent discovery. They just gave a Nobel Prize in 2017 to a Japanese researcher that described the processes of autophagy. So the autophagium, the parts that take place in the cell, this is relatively new science. Um, and now we've started to look, when you look at longevity research, what we see is that autophagy is one of these, it's a key element to longevity, that, that right now, the only experimental uh, manipulation that you can really do that legitimately extends longevity is calorie restriction. And this is science. Now, remember, this is relatively new science, too, that Clive McKay at, uh, at Cornell um, back in the mid 50s, uh, he ran out of money in his lab. He had he couldn't feed all his rats. So he fed one set of rats a full diet. He cut the diet on the other half of the rats and the rats that were getting the partial diet did better than the full feed. It was, it was one of the first places that we see uh, experimental application of calorie restriction. 
Well, this has evolved over time. It's taken a while. You know, they, they did a paper in, um, in the early 2000s looking at the 50th anniversary of McKay and um, at looking at, at McKay's work. And we're starting to see that really start to pop out in the literature as well. But we're starting to see we're starting to see researchers figure out why. What is it about calorie restriction that leads to improved longevity? Well, it's this autophagy process. And, and now we're starting to see with some of the autophagy research, listen, we've got some papers in spermidine and autophagy work that um, with spermidine supplementation and the increase of autophagy, we see an improvement of cognitive performance. We see a thickening of hippocampal thickness in the brain, which has improved memory. We see improved cardiovascular fitness. Listen, there, there's a great paper that I'll put out there. Um, and I think you can probably put it in the show notes. It's called Spermidine and Health and Disease. Um, I think it's one of the best review papers. When you take a look at cardiovascular benefit, neural benefit, stem cell production increase, there are all these key elements that are a byproduct of the spermidine supplementation and triggering the autophagy process. And if you think about this, you know, listen, we live in a society now that is energy toxic. We, we have so much energy around us. It's leading to a toxicity. And we're trying to understand why that is. And, and listen, um, when you look at Alzheimer's or some of these dementia-based um, uh, diseases, listen, we don't have a, a dementia drug um, a problem in society. We have an energy issue that we have to pay attention to. We have so much junk energy available that autophagy, we never have to trigger autophagy. And, and what we're finding is that autophagy is a key element. Um, again, I go back to the textbook example that I, I believe autophagy will be covered. It will get a chapter in uh, the textbooks. What is autophagy? How do you stimulate it? What are the key elements? And, and you stimulate it not by what you eat, but what you don't eat many times. And now we're starting to see memetics. We're so, you know, again, we see spermidine. We know spermidine decreases with age. Um, and, and if we, and even if you are fasting, if you have low spermidine levels, consuming spermidine increases the autophagy process. We know that. Um, now we're continuing to dive into that research. Again, we've got to do most of our work in model organisms. We've got secondary indicators in humans, but um, it's, again, we're, we're sitting on one of these um, cutting edge uh, research elements that's really exciting. Yeah, it is really exciting. And, you know, we have very similar backgrounds in, in the exercise sciences. And I think we both agree that the original biohackers, well, not the original, but the 1970 biohackers were the, the bodybuilders and the people that could understand that you just don't continue to lift weights. You have to go through periodization and you have to go through hypertrophy and then you have to go through uh, rest and recovery and building and growing and then come yin and yang. And, right. and there's a really important in, uh, theory. I mean, that goes back to thousands of years of, of ancient uh, Chinese or uh, Chinese medicine and yin and yang. And, and what I find is genetics haven't changed at all, no. but environmentally has changed crazy wise, energetically wise. And we have too much growth factors that stimulate. And I tell people like autophagy is really easy to think of. Think about it as the farmer harvests his, his crops at the end of the season, and then he'll plow the fields and he'll help the, the cells or the plants or the, the stock that didn't get used up and it will get recycled back into the soils and the parts that weren't used will be um, composted and reused, just like our body needs to do mm -hmm. that. And if we're not able to clear out these dead cells and these folded proteins and these, I guess, if you will, these bacteria or these microorganisms, then you're not going to be able to recover and, and rebuild when it comes time. But even more alarming is what we see now are things like iron enrichment in our foods, um, glyphosate lowering, um, glutamate per bacteria in, in our microbiome, plastics and BPAs, 
um, growth hormones and antibiotics and pesticides, you know, just so many things that stimulate the growth factors that it makes it that much more important to be able to tap into autophagy. So maybe why don't you teach us exactly, okay, well, where does spermidine fit in? Because a lot of the people that we work with, their doctors aren't giving them answers and they've had to become their own advocate and they really do enjoy not the feeling crappy part of it but the researching and the ahas that they have of oh my gosh i wish i would have known this earlier or been taught this like you said so where is spermidine for the listeners fitting in in terms of why does it stimulate autophagy well, the reason spermidine, it, it, what we understand now is it's a clear autophagy trigger. Um, there's a set of proteins when we start talking about spermidine. So if you've read David Sinclair's book on lifespan, or if you've looked at uh, whether it's Walter Longo's book on the longevity diet and the, and the, um, the um, fasting mimicking diet, there, you know, there's a lot of research that's starting to touch around the edge of this. But what we know is, is spermidine is a key trigger to some of the genes that trigger the autophagy pathway. Um, and these, this is significant. It's more than just the sirtuins or the Becklins. Um, it's, it's playing a whole set. Of, and I'm not going to go down the genetic rabbit hole here, um, but it, this is happening intracellularly. It's a molecule that needs to be present. Now, what we, do, what we find is in long-lived populations, they typically are consuming spermidine-rich diets. Um, you find spermidine in uh, the fermented soy product, NATO. Um, and if you've grown up Japanese and that's been part of your diet, go crazy. Um, if you've grown up in the States and you've never had it, it's, you're going to find it disgusting. Um, it's, it's pretty hard to choke down. Um, or we see it in, 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 we extract ours from wheat germ, but we get it from European wheat germ. We've, we've not been able to do it in the States yet. And we're looking, but um, our wheat germ is coming from middle Europe, uh, Austria, Southern Germany, Northern Italy, uh, Switzerland. Um, the Europeans are much tougher on glyphosate. Um, so we're able, and and there's a range. So a big part of what our company does is, first of all, we have to find spermidine-rich fields. Not all wheat germ is the same. Uh, then we bring that in and we have to, we eliminate probably half of what we bring in because the spermidine content isn't high enough to refine. And then what we have, then we refine it with a water-based process. The only, the only thing we use is water in, in creating our spermidine-rich supplement. You can eat wheat germ, you can eat soybeans, you can eat a lot, uh, there's mushrooms that have high spermidine contents. The problem is, is you don't know what the content of the spermidine in the product is. That's the challenge. Um, and that's, that's what's created the opportunity for us. Um, so, and, and I wanna jump back, cause you asked me earlier. So autophagy and mTOR. So what we know, and, and you and I have both, you know, when you're working with, with athletes, you're typically dealing with someone who's 30 years or younger. We're dealing with someone that's 15 to 25, maybe if you've got a, if you've got a, a long live pro or a, or someone like that. And you know what, when you're eating small meals, multiple times a day, you are feeding the mTOR pathway. Your body is going to be cranking out proteins. There's no two ways about it. The, the problem is this, when your body makes protein, it doesn't make them all the same and it doesn't make them all correctly. So if your ribosome cranks out this one protein with one of the amino acids that's not correct, that protein won't go, in, won't go into use. It'll just sit there in the cell. This is the beauty of the autophagy process is that when there is a demand made on the system, there's calorie restriction and there's an energy demand. This is when the autophagy process kicks in and says, oh, let's go clean up these old proteins that aren't very valuable anymore. And let's go clean up these mitochondria or these other organelles that just aren't valuable anymore. And let's clean that up and let's put their parts back into circulation as either energy or to build with. And that's where we get a really healthy process. I, I'm, I'm, mo I'm personally most excited about understanding the role of autophagy in dementia and some of these Alzheimer's-like 
uh, diseases. We've got a lot. There's, there's two great papers that just came out in the last month looking at this and that people who consume high spermidine levels have lower levels of dementia. And we see an increase in cortical thickness in Alzheimer's disease uh, 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 parts of the brain that, that, that get attacked. Um, so, you know, that's where I'm most excited. We have a, we have a paper that came out. I'm not sure it's in print yet. It's been accepted, but we see that when you have spermidine supplementation, we see an improvement in, in autophagy and immune response, particularly with COVID. Um, we see an improvement. We, so we see the fact that it's, that the, the, the immune system is stopping the transmission of that virus 80, 85, 92% of the time. So we've actually got some studies going on in Europe right now looking at this. So, so clearly this, as you said earlier, in, improved autophagy winds up improving immunity. It winds up improving neural performance. It winds up improving cardiovascular performance. We see an increase in nitric oxide. We see an increase in, uh, epi, in endothelial cell production and, and quality. Um, but we also see an improvement in epithelial stem cells. So when people start taking spermidine, one of the first things they report is improved hair, skin, and nails. Um, your fingernails start growing like crazy. Your hair grows faster um, and um, your skin gets better. So that's one of the benefits that it's one of the first things we see with the product. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I, I'd love to kind of get into you because where, where I'm, I'm in the field, like the field general, right? So right. I'm working with the clients that are exhausted and burnt out. And by the way, I, I know that COVID is replicated through mTOR. And so if we have all these mTOR signaling pathways always being turned on, um, you are going to have more neurodegeneration, more inflammation, more problems. So really what I want to teach them and am learning right now in, in, in real time is what is the sweet spot? And there's no textbook answer in terms of, okay, how many days do we want to, uh, mTOR is not bad. I mean, pregnant no, women it's would not gestate if they no. didn't have mTOR, right. um, bodybuilders wouldn't grow. Um, we wouldn't be able to repair our bodies. Um, this is where now we can link back the HRV to see which way we're trending to know, hey, I got to switch this up. If I've been doing too much autophagy and I've been too much caloric restricting and I haven't been getting my proteins and I've been doing too much things that are cleansing or recycling cells, maybe my heart rate variability starts to slow down or drop, you know? Yeah, so, actually, yeah. the more I... I fast, the lower my HRV gets. So when you're listening, your body recognizes fasting as calorie restriction or fasting is a threat. Uh, your body sees that as a threat. So you're going to see a drop in HRV. You're going to see the body say, hey, we need to get energy. So it's going to cause you to naturally trying to spin out your own energy sources. And listen, that's one of the beauties when we start to get fat metabolism and we get the beta hydroxybutyrate and we get the alpha ketoglutarate and we get the great ketone bodies created. We get sharp mentally it's one of the benefits. So, so yeah, and, and what's going to be interesting as the research goes on, you know, listen, our body likes cycles. Um, it loves cycles. It does not like being static. And when you look at the diurnal process, I, there's no doubt in my mind that we're going to see autophagy linked to the diurnal process. Um, so we're going to continue to work our way through this and, and understand this better. One of our challenges right now is we don't have a great autophagy marker. I can't I can't take your blood. I can't put a wearable on you. It's a challenge now. And, you know, when we look at fasting, um, I don't know what you see with your customers, but, you know, I know when I first started fasting, I was actually living down just north of you in a one bedroom apartment by myself. I didn't have any family that I was having to work with. So doing some kind of a crazy meal manipulation was really easy for me. Um, now that I'm back up north, um, I live with my wife she works a little different schedule than I work. My daughter, who's now just finished up her first year of graduate school is back living with us. So coordinating family meals with three different schedules and fasting can be a challenge. Um, now, and I don't know about you, the first time I fasted, you know, I got to where I was going 30, 45, 60 days 
of solid 18-6, throwing in 24 and 48-hour fasts at least once a week. Um, and I felt great. Well, what we're seeing, though, is that people who are fasting too much are starting to see a drop in lean mass. Um, and that drop in lean mass, that's, listen, you've got to maintain mat lean mass for longevity. Uh, it's the number one predictor of quality life is, is strength and power. So you want, you want that mTOR process, but we need the autophagy process to constantly clean those cells and make sure that we're not fighting, that, that our cells are able to fight the immune process that's going on, that, that the rest of our body has to, has to protect against. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it's, there's, it just speaks to the yin and yang of everything. There's a Goldilocks zone of not too little, not too much. I think it first comes down to, Don, the fact that what is your goal and what is your number one challenge? Like if you're catabolic and you have problems putting on weight, then you're going to want to emphasize a little bit more your mTOR strategies, whereas if you're overweight and insulin you, you resistant, know, see, like 75% of the population. Yeah. And I think those are surrogate markers. I agree with you. There's not specific markers. I think there are really good surrogate markers that are correlated with if you're in autophagy, like knowing about your ketone levels or mm -hmm. your glucose ketone index. I think those are good insulin growth factors and fasting insulin are good mTOR markers. Um, but it comes down to what is your personal goal? What's your age? What's your health challenges? And I agree with you in, in terms of not just circadian rhythms, but you know, over the millennia, how our bodies have been engineered for feast and famine and how we go through periods of abundance. And those are the years where we're harvesting our crops and we're able to go through indulgence. I'm sure that- well, Certainly the season. Certainly the season. the season, maybe not the year, That's but what, the season. Yes. The seasons, the seasons. And, yeah. you know, there weren't refrigerators or 24 hour delivery services or all of these, you know, lights that would stimulate our pineal gland and create melatonin shifts. So mm -hmm. I think we're dealing with a lot more environmental cues that throw us out of the natural rhythm and we've lost the coherence with the earth. Um, and it takes, it behooves us to be that much more aligned with um, what, what we have to do proactively. So I guess the, the question would be the, the, as far as developing protocols around that, I am teaching my audience and the people that I coach one-on-one, -on -one, once we do get a genetic blueprint of what your potentials are, what your susceptibilities mm -hmm. are, what rocks to look under, once we get an idea of your, if you will, your scorecard of what are your variables or your analytes that are not just laboratory high or low, but are functionally trending towards a C minus versus a failing grade and be able to assess what's going on there. Uh, and then be able to come up with a protocol of not driving with your foot on the gas and the brakes at the same time. And that means, okay, I don't want you to be doing all of these mTOR stimulating nutrients, lots of proteins, lots of carbs, lots of B vitamins, not regulating your iron. I personally don't feel that mTOR will ever be shifted off in today's day and age just because of EMFs themselves. Well, I right? don't, for, you don't want it. Listen, when mTOR shuts down, you're dead pretty quick. Um, you've got, I mean, our, our, we're constantly reforming proteins in our body. The challenge right. is, is that we, we know that we make a bad protein. There's a bad protein ratio that starts to build up and we've got to constantly replace that. So again, it's your yin and yang constantly driving that process. Right, right. So as far as though in your bio, it says that it can be used every day. So I'm just going to be ignorant in this fact and, and sincerely ask the question, if I don't want to constantly, like, I agree, like you'll never turn off mTOR if you could just slow it down enough so that autophagy can actually kick in. Or don't overfeed it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't overfeed. Um, but, but how, like, how is your, your experience anecdotally or with the research that the spermidine is doing? Um, it's a, it's a supplement for daily intake because mm -hmm. I'm open to, to changing my, my thought process. I, I really like to use these surrogate markers and these wearables and these 
data tracking to get an idea. And of course, looking at the scorecard, how they change, and most importantly, subjectively, how are you doing? But I also realized that, like you just said, there's a Cinderella zone or Goldilocks zone of you just can't be in autophagy all the time. But Spermidine Life is a product that has been shown to be able to allow mTOR go, even though you're using an autophagy based product every day? Well, Remember, spermidine is going to trigger that, and, and you're always going to have the pressures back and forth that with calorie consumption, you're going to get the insulin-like growth factors, the insulin, you're going to get the triggers for autophagy. If you then are going to calorie restrict as well, naturally put that into your diet, you've got to have the underlying molecules. Listen, we don't need to supplement uh, uh, mTOR. It's, it's in the cellar. We, we haven't figured this out yet. It's, it's what we know is that there's been plenty, you know, we don't need Richter or Raptor, whether it's mTORC1 or mTORC2. Um, so that being said, what we know is that as spermidine drops, autophagy drops. And if you think of, of, of protein development, as well as autophagy being cyclical, you're going to see those two pressuring each other back and forth. But in the absence of spermidine, the pressure stays on the mTOR side. It doesn't shift over to the autophagy side. So what we're finding from our research is that there needs to be a, a serum level um, and that we supplement at that level. You know, I look at, a, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you do work with synolytics, whether it's fisetin or quercetin or, or things like that. When we look at the elimination of uh, senescent cells, you know, senescent cells are important from time to time. You know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, our bodies can stop cancer with senescent cells. So we don't want to just wipe out our, our senescent cells, but we do want to clean them out every once in a while. That's the reason I like that Mayo product, Mayo Clinic protocol of using fisetin and quercetin for a couple of days, take a couple of weeks off and letting the senescent cells do what they need to do. So when we start looking at mTOR production versus autophagy, I think the cycle is shorter. I think it's, I, I personally feel it falls into that diurnal process. Um, I'm going to build proteins while I'm feeding and I'm going to trigger autophagy some period of time after I stop feeding. Uh, and this is the value of that 16, 8, 18, 6, maybe 24. Listen, we can't starve ourselves to immortality. Um, you know, there's a, there's a process that comes in there and I think it's important. And, and the, what we see spermidine as being a, a base level that declines with age. So it's about improving that third, third. Now I'm going to go, let me go address this a little bit for you because when we, cause you said something earlier that I think is really important. What are your goals? What are your objectives? Um, you know, there was a period of time, uh, prior to becoming a father, when I was spending a lot of time worrying about what I looked like or as an athlete training to be an athlete and be big and strong and, and do some of these things. Um, but now that I am, I think of life in three thirds. Uh, the first third we spend learning and the second third we spend in service to others, either as a work or, or raising our families. But then there's a third third of life. Um, my wife and I are getting ready to go into that. My daughter, you know, we have one child and she's finishing up grad school. So she will move out of our house probably permanently in a year. Um, and she and I, I don't ever listen. I love to work. I love what I'm doing. I, I hope I never retire because I, I love learning and this is just a place I like to be, but I'm moving into my third third when I'm doing things that I choose to do for myself, not for others. You know, that trip of a lifetime, or I can't wait. I, I told someone the other day, one of the greatest things I enjoyed wasn't coaching. You know, I've coached a lot of kids at a lot of levels. My, my, my most favorite coaching experience was when I coached my daughter's eighth grade field hockey team. It was, it was wonderful. And I've cut, and again, I've coached Olympians in wrestling. I've coached multiple national champions. I've worked on eighth grade field hockey was the best. Um, and I'm looking forward to coaching my grandchild's eighth grade field hockey team. Um, so all of a sudden my purpose now I'm actually, it's funny that we got into this cause I have a, a, an outline for a book that we are, are putting together called the hallmarks of longevity science. And when we look at the hallmarks, I have, uh, are you, are you familiar with Stephen Covey's, 
the sure. seven habits of highly, well, you're familiar yeah. with his rocks in the jar analogy, right? Right. Yeah. Um, what are the big rocks in the jar? In my mind, the four big rocks in the jar are exercise. You cannot ignore it. But the note I have next to exercise is stop exercising to lose weight. No, nobody takes a picture of their scale and hangs it on the wall. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a horrible goal. Um, exercise for what I call trainable life events that, and it could be a 3k, it could be a 10k, it could be a vacation. My trainable life events. Now I'm starting to train for my daughter's wedding and my grandchildren and my great grandchildren. That's so my goals have shifted to clearly health span lifespan, not, I, you know, I've lifted lots of weights. I mean, I used to train with Lou Simmons at Westside Barbell before it was Westside. You know, I've, I've moved lots of weight. I've, 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 I've competed. I'm, I'm beyond that. So now all of a sudden my objectives have shifted to longevity. Um, I am very insulin resistant. I'm diagnosed as a type two diabetic. I have to pay attention. I'm a, you know, listen, um, if, if, a, if a mad famine kicked in, you skinny little muscular types, you know, you're going to be gone before us fat efficient guys go. Um, so, um, but when we live in an energy toxic environment, I have to be careful. Um, so I'm shifting into my third third. We're looking at what happens hormonally. So let me go back to the four rocks exercise. I don't exercise to bench press and squat anymore. I exercise for mobility and safety and I exercise for mitochondria production. So I've shifted from my cardio work to where it's, where it's zone three, four, and five to where my cardio work is zone two and three now, um, because I'm trying to feed my mitochondria all I can. Um, so exercise, the second rock in the jar in my book is, is food from unprocessed sources. I don't, I don't get into vegan carnivore. Um, I, I feel like I I've made the statement that in the absence of extinction, there's, there is no evolution. There's only diversity. And, and I, I believe it's fair that with the diversity, we have some people may do better vegan. Some people may be doing better carnivore. And as you said, you got to figure out what works for you. Um, but what we can agree on is the more you process a food, the worse it is for you. So trying to get stuff, you know, farm to table as much as possible. My, my third rock in the jar, we, we put sleep, we, we call it sleep, it's recovery, it's understanding stress and recovery. Um, I do a lot of work with, with meditation and floating and these key elements for dealing, for boosting parasympathetic reaction and recognizing the sympathetic in our lives. And fact is, you can't fix bad sleep. Um, you, you can't hack, you have to have good sleep. Then you can put CACs in on top of that. And then my fourth rock is photobiomodulation. Um, I think the amount of light that we get on our skin has become a problem. So those are my four big rocks. And when you look at longevity, the jar that they're going into, I call purpose. What is your purpose in life? And when you have your purpose, then it gives you a, a guide for what you do with those four big rocks. And we can bring other things in. I mean, so there's nutritional strategies, there's hacks at the exercise level, there's hacks at the food level, there's hacks at the, at the light level, and there's hacks at the, um, at the stress and recovery level. So that's where biohacking comes into play. And it's important because our environment has driven us away from our gen, from our genetic optimization. You know, you and I were talking earlier about um, air conditioning and living in South Florida and um, you know, homo sapiens were successful. The, 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 the genetic set that we have were successful over Neanderthals because we adapted better. Okay. So our genetics love adaptation. Well, unfortunately we now live in environments where we don't have to adapt. We live in houses with flat floors and don't even have stairs, you know? So why do people have so many back problems? Because they don't have to pick their knee up above 90 degrees to climb anymore. So their iliopsoas is spasming and it's crossing over the sciatic nerve in two different places. And they're coming to you to get fixed. And the fact is they should just climb more. I mean, it, you need that environment. We live in environments that the you know, the temperature in our house between summer and winter, when the temperature outside varies 60 degrees, our temperature inside varies four degrees. Um, and that's a problem. It's we have to hack that somehow. 
Um, so we understand the value of heat shock proteins and cold shock proteins. You know, if you're watching this and not listening to it, you look over my right shoulder, you see my sauna. Um, you know, it's an important, it's one of it's one of my important hacks. Um, so, you know, that's where I go back to, you have to have purpose. You have to have those things that you're focused, that put pictures on the wall about how you define yourself. And then that will help drive those four key elements. And one of those hacks is understanding, you know, we, in our diets, we don't have enough spermidine. Now, if you live in a blue zone, maybe you do, and you don't have to worry about it. But what we found is the rest of us don't. And this is what's that combined with, with caloric toxicity. Um, we have to hack our way to figure this out so that we can get back into the mTOR anabolic, the autophagy catabolic process. And, and spermidine life just happens to be one of those molecules. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. And I'm thinking to myself, we'll have to definitely do a part two because I have so many questions to ask you in, in, in that. But, you know, as complicated as some of the terms you used are, Don, it's not rocket science, right? I no. mean, common sense ain't so common when when we're not moving and we're isolating and we're, we're, we're anyways, that's a whole other slippery slope, but we, we do need to move, right? We need to be listen, active. Go yeah. back. Listen, let's go back to the jar and the four rocks. Okay. It starts with purpose. Yeah, and, and you know what? You have to sit back and decide. My purpose in life is not working for someone else. Um, I have, a, I, you know, it was, it was interesting for me when I left Ohio state back in 2018, it was hard because I did not, I didn't want to leave. I, you know, listen, I've got the Ohio state tattoo. Um, you know, I, my, both my brothers went there. My daughter went there, you know, my brother in my, my parents, sons and grandsons, we have 16 varsity letters from Ohio state. We have nine degrees and 16 varsity letters. We all, my two brothers and I met our wives there. We've got 97 years of marriage from relationships that we developed at Ohio state. We are true blue and it, it hurt to leave, but I feel like the universe pushed me away. Um, it said you, you, your, your work here is done. Um, and so I, so I had to sit back and figure out what my purpose is. And, and when you look at my LinkedIn description, you'll see that I, I, I help understand individuals make decisions that lead to the, the, the reduction of suffering and, and the promotion of well people, you know, that's, that's kind of things. And, and so while I have a degree in exercise physiology, understanding mTOR and understanding these things are key. So purpose is critical. Listen, pick up something heavy every once in a while, like twice a week, just pick up. Some, don't get caught up in whether I'm doing CrossFit or something else, pick up something heavy, make it a regular part. And oh, by the way, go walk. Um, those two things are transformative. If you have challenges with those and you need to, your, envi your, your environment is right, well, maybe you need to put a Peloton bike in so you have access to it. Um, maybe you need to put in some kind of a piece of equipment to help pick up something heavy. Um, it's, listen, for me, exercise is that simple. You can throw in yoga on top of that. You can throw in a lot of these other things, but pick up something heavy and walk. When we look at nutrition, just start getting your food from unprocessed sources. Quit buying your meals out of your car window. Um, start, you know, you have to learn how to cook. Okay. You have to learn. And, and the more you cook, the better you're able to acquire food from unprocessed sources. When we take a look at, at sleep and stress, learn to go to bed without a TV in your room, turn off the lights, get to bed at the same time on a regular basis. You know, I used to love to sit up and watch the, you know, the, the, the tonight show and those shows. I used to really enjoy that, but you know what? when I understand sleep and recovery, I have a DVR. Um, and if I really need to see it, it's there in the internet and I can get it when the, when the, when the sun's up. And then finally light. Listen, when I was living in Florida, um, I, I am a Brown bean. I am, I have a native American background and the sun, my skin loves the sun. Um, but when I'm up North, I have to, I have to have hacks for that. Um, my wife and I have a juve unit. We put in a near infrared unit. Um, one of the most, my juve unit will lower my blood sugar more than insulin. Think about that. 
Um, yeah. Now I'm not an insulin. I'm, I had a bad knee surgery back in September that I wound up with a MRSA infection from. Um, so I was very ill in September and October and I couldn't walk and my diet was horrible and my, and my blood sugar got out of control and I had to start to use insulin just to maintain that. Well, I've stopped using it now because I'm doing it all with movement and with, with what I eat, but you know, I pay close attention to what I use a CGM and, and light is, is going to become even more dramatic as we move on. So, um, so those are the four big rocks, but they go into a jar called purpose. Yeah, that's an awesome answer. Uh, I, I would just elaborate your fourth rock on photomodulation and put frequency modulation and frequency awareness because EMFs, uh, you know, that's a, especially with 5G, that's a whole other conversation, but that has been shown to stimulate mTOR. Um, it has been shown to cause insulin spikes and we are bombarded by it on a daily basis and there's no escaping it, but we can certainly be proactive with it. We can put our phones on airplane mode. We can put our routers on a, a wireless timer or we can resync it up to the wires. Um, we can have a, a two day, three day week sabbatical and we'll still live. You know, we grew up with these things yeah. without having these things. But anyways, I got to run. Um, I appreciate your time. Um, I will put a link to be able to how to access getting spermidine under the show notes so that yep. people can try it. And I would hope that you and I can meet Don for a part two, because I, I have so much more to go with you. But I appreciate your time and I appreciate all that you're doing. I love your your um, your mission and your purpose. And I just want to thank you for being here today. Well, again, I, I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm looking forward to the next one. And um, Spermidine Life, if, if you're looking online, there'll be a link in the show notes, uh, but spermidinelife.us. If you go to spermidinelife.com, you'll go to our Austrian site. We don't have the geolocating worked out yet, but if you want to see it, if, 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 you're, if you don't speak German, it's better to go to spermidinelife.us. That's our US site and kind of where we operate. Awesome. Thank you so much, Don. I appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for tuning into today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested to see if you're a good fit to work with our Adrenal Awakening program, here's what to do next. Head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak to our team. Here's how it works. We'll get on the phone for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, where exactly do you want to be with your health and where are you now? Number two, what are the genetic components that haven't been discovered that are impacting your health? And number three, what are the environmental triggers that may be overlapping with these genetic components keeping you from getting optimal health? Remember, getting your energy back just won't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make that happen. We've helped clients all over the world transform their lives, quadruple their energy, and fix their metabolism, and make the world a better place. To see if you can do the same thing, head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply. I'm Dr. Richard Joel Rosen, and we'll talk to you soon.